Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled that you can join us today. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We want to talk with real people doing real things pertaining to dementia. So all voices are welcomed. If you're interested and have a story too, please reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Now, before I introduce our guest today, and we have a team of people from the Kemper Cognitive Wellness uh, Clinic, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs. So one, I want to shout out to Dementia Map, the global resource directory we put together that not only has resources, but it also has events. Please check that out at DementiaMap.com. Also, you're going to want to take a peek at the memory cafe directory because there are some memory cafes that are coming online now. So please check that out, memorycafedirectory.com. And then Coral Health is still letting people download two of their apps. You're not going to want to miss out on that. So go to Coro, that's C-O-R-O Health. Dot com for more information. There are also a few events I want to give a shout out to. So Lorenzo's House is um, having an event called Lorenzo's Camp, which is going to be June 21st from 10 to 4 p.m. Central Time. And that is going to be for youth. So um, young kids that are dealing with parents uh, that are living with dementia, this will be a great online um, adventure for them to be able to connect with others. They can go to www.lorenzoshouse.org forward slash youth dash camp. Also, I want to lift up Mods Ventures. This is a really cool opportunity for three challenges that they're putting out there to get uh, seed funding, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars for three different projects that they um, have challenges on. One is for adaptive clothing. Uh, the second is for aphasia. And the third is for respite care. So go ahead and check out Mods Ventures. Last I wanna shout out is a global challenge for dementia, which is tagged together, the number four dementia, together for dementia. And it's a conference 
that is going to have a variety of experts from around the world. And it's going to be held November 2nd of 2021. And it is being sponsored by the Dementia Research Charity Brace. And you can register for an early bird ticket um, by um, going to www.buff.ly forward slash 3F5PFUY. And that FU is capitalized at the end and then Y. So that's buff, B-U-F-F dot L-Y forward slash 3F 5P, capital F, capital U, Y. So let's introduce you to our friends at the Kemper Cognitive Wellness. Well, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I kind of told you earlier in the warm up there, but we are so honored to have Kemper Cognitive Wellness with us. And, and we've got their team and we're going to be talking about protecting your cognitive health and a boot camp for brain health and, and wellness overall. So um, I, these guys are kind of leading leading the cause you are one of the leaders in the u.s here regarding cognitive health and so it's really an honor to have them with us so before we start our conversation i should probably just give you a little background on each of them and i'm going to start with dr nate bergman who is a, a board certified physician and he's also the chief scientific wellness offer for kemper cognitive wellness which is located in cleveland ohio he previously co-developed the Brain Health Program at the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine, which uh, is a renowned center in and of itself. And Dr. Bergman is an author of peer-reviewed medical articles. He's a podcaster, and he's a father of five very neurodiverse children, <laughs> which sounds like an interesting role in and of itself. So welcome, Dr. Bergman. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for having us, Lori. It's great to be here. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to introduce your sidekicks here, um, and I'm going to go to... Uh, not my sidekicks. This is the team, and I feel like I'm, sometimes I feel like I'm the sidekick here. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? That's a nice that's a nice sentiment to have when you all feel equal. <laughs> that. So that's absolutely fantastic. To me, that's kind of the meaning of a true team in terms of how you function. So Allison Connors is a certified brain health trainer and functional medicine health coach, which a lot of people don't even know what that is. So we'll learn more about that. Um, she has developed a very unique offering called the Brain Boot Camp. And uh, that is a cognitive and physical training program to improve attention, memory, and thinking. Allison also works closely with Kemper clients to coach and support them um, in their implementation of personalized protocols for optimizing memory and cognition. So welcome, Allison. Thanks, Lori. I'm excited to be here and excited to talk about Brain Boot Camp. 
Fantastic. Can't wait to hear all about it. And then we have Jenny Kemper. She is the director of the Kemper Cognitive Wellness, and she is leading a team of 10 to raise awareness and deliver opportunities for individuals and their families to push back against cognitive decline. Kemper is uh, gaining, like I said, um, groundbreaking kind of a lead in this uh, brain health center uh, or arena in the U.S. And they have services and support for people living with or just wishing to prevent Alzheimer's or different types of dementia or other cognitive losses. So welcome, Jenny. This is an exciting time to have you guys all with us. Yes. Thanks, Lori. We're happy to be here. Well, I'm going to start out with uh, with Dr. Bergman. And um, Dr. Bergman, if you can tell our listeners a little bit about some of the major advances that you're seeing in neurodegenerative assessments and, tr and um, treatment. I know there's a lot going on in this field all of a sudden. Right. So obviously, as you know, and I'm sure all your listeners know, for years, I mean, decades, there's really been no um, significant there's been some incremental improvements, minor, minor, but billions and billions of dollars spent. Um, and there's really been nothing that's been a big breakthrough in the world of Alzheimer's. And I think um, there are kind of two, uh, two scenarios or two streams that are, that are happening right now. One is that the landscape is shifting things to look more ahead of time, sort of predictive, like we look for cancer, the more we understand, the more we understand and know about Alzheimer's disease, the more we're thinking about, hey, when subtle cognitive complaints start, that's the time to begin to, to do the workup. I mean, you know, probably the, the, the good habits should start in our teens and 20s, but we all ignore those, right? So, so at least when things start to creep in, that's when the best time is to, to begin. So, the, the, so one big shift is, and this is even happening with drug companies, is to look earlier, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, that that um, that alone, um, and looking at some of the sort of prevention and lifestyle factors, people like Dale Bredesen and Richard Isaacson and Pacific Neuroscience Institute and the Shirzai's down at Loma Linda in California. I mean, some people are com are, are talking about with you know just the, the combination of the right kind of food, uh, the right kind of exercise, sleeping, making sure sleep is dialed in for a long enough period of time and learning how to manage stress and connect with other people, like something like 90% of cases of Alzheimer's might be preventable. That's a, that's a very, you know, that's, a, that's an amazing claim. Uh, but those are some pretty serious researchers that have, have sort of are making those claims. Um, I think that's, so that's the first stream, looking earlier and, and being, and, and, and taking a look at what actually moves the needle in terms of brain health. The second uh, is this idea of precision medicine or metabolic medicine. Uh, some would refer to this as functional medicine. So subtyping. So just like you wouldn't say someone has cancer, you wouldn't say, you, you probably shouldn't be saying someone has Alzheimer's disease, right? We'd say breast cancer, or we'd say colon cancer, we'd say prostate, prostate cancer. We'd, you know, we refer to the type of cancer. So I think, uh, so my reading of the tea leaves and Alzheimer's is that that's probably going to be the way that this, this goes to some degree is sort of subtyping. Alzheimer's, probably Parkinson's disease, several other kinds of dementia. We'll look at different the different kinds of personalities, so the different presentations, if you will. Some person might have a, sort of a classic short-term memory loss, can't remember uh, from now to two minutes ago or 30 seconds ago. Other people might have 
a lot of trouble just getting stuff done or saying words, but their memory might be more intact, right? So sort of the, the what we would call the atypical presentations. And so there's, there's this whole host of things that when we look under the hood, what we're doing, let's say at Kemper Cognitive Wellness, what we're doing is we're looking under the hood and, and seeing, can we determine what's driving this process? You know, what is, why is, is Alzheimer's occurring? And if we can, if we can find some, if we can get some um, firm grip on why we think this is happening, we can, um, we can push back. So, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's like a really exciting uh, time. And I think there's one other point I'd make um, is in addition to looking early, having more tools, more things and sort of targets to look for, the other, as you know, the other interesting uh, phenomenon here is that people are getting diagnosed earlier and earlier, right? And so the, the number of people being diagnosed between age 35 and 64 is rapidly rising. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and the, that data has been out here, you know, available for the last couple of years. And because, and, and again, in my opinion, Alzheimer's is sort of, oh, that's the disease for the nursing homes. If, you know, nobody wants to go to nursing home. That, it, it's like this, unless you're deeply involved in it, um, like we are, you know, it's just something you don't want to deal with. It's, it still has, unfortunately, still, although it's changing, has a bit of stigma around it. Uh, but as more and more younger people that are sort of in in the in the middle of midlife, beginning of the sort of golden years, as it were, are getting diagnosed. They're they have more means, more education, uh, more desire to stay well, and more desire to push back. And so we're meeting more and more people, like in their fifties and sixties and early seventies and mid seventies, that are just like, well, I'm just I'm not I'm not ready to just like sign off my life and sort of ride out in the sunset and do a long goodbye. Uh, even though, you know, that's still a reality. I'm not, I mean, we're not denying that that's reality. What we're seeing, though, is more and more younger people that are saying, hey, is it possible that I could live with Alzheimer's as a chronic disease, like a cancer survivor, like an HIV survivor, like somebody who had a heart attack and open heart surgery? And so, you know, where open heart surgery or stents was a big deal in like the 1970s, uh, 1960s even to some extent, right? So I think we're we're starting to see the beginnings of that. Uh, in Alzheimer's and other kinds of dementia. So it's, it's a really, um, it's exciting time to get Alzheimer's. That's, not a, that's a strange physician joke, but it, you know, there, there are a lot of things that you can do today that you probably wouldn't have been able to do six or seven years ago. Uh, and there's certainly not the data for it. Well, you know, I, I think it's funny, your joke, because it's, but it's so true. Um, there's not a better time in history to be able to get this disease because there is a lot more available when you mentioned about the pushback from kind of the 50 to 70 years old. I remember my folks, you know, my mom lived with it for 30 years and, you know, the word of their primary physician for 40 years who they had was, uh, was God, they weren't going to question him. And, and the rest of us were like, hey, something is off, you know, and so for 10 years, she was misdiagnosed with uh, uh, just hormones. It was just her hormones were off. They weren't doing anything to correct her hormones, but they, but they were off. And yet my mom knew that it wasn't that. You mentioned, you know, all these different lifestyle changes that we can make and educating people at a younger level, which would be brilliant to even be able to do that in schools because so many of the kids are seeing the ripple effect where their families are not telling them what's going on, yet their whole family dynamics have, has changed. And a lot of the kids feel like, what did I do wrong? And yet if they can see some of that and be part of that, I think it'd be an ideal 
time to get out there and be able to to educate them as well. Um, and then one question I did want to ask you about because I haven't heard this, but I, I would I would love to see this. Is anybody, to your knowledge, doing any studies of why a diagnosis changes? in terms of the body, you know, a lot of them go, well, you know, the doctor might have just been wrong, or they've gotten more information now where it's more zoned in. But is there something that's changing it from an Alzheimer's type symptom to now Lewy bodies, um, as far as, um, you know, what, what we can control? Have you heard of any, any yeah. studies on that? Yeah, so most of the studies I'm aware of, so most of the best studies that were, I think, that are driving the movement and the awareness in the in the um, sort of neurological so neurology and to some extent the geriatrics community is what we're seeing on autopsy, right? So it, as you as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know that most people we can't be certain uh, about a diagnosis of Alzheimer's until someone passes away, and if they allow for an autopsy, then we can be most certain. Under the microscope, uh, what we're seeing is more and more mixed cases more and more mixed pathology. So not just straight Alzheimer's, but a little bit of Alzheimer's, a little bit of vascular dementia, a little bit of Alzheimer's, a little bit of Lewy body dementia, a little bit of Alzheimer's, a little bit of Parkinson's, right? Even though Lewy body is very similar to Parkinson's, um, you know, there's new types of, of uh, dementias being discovered. So I think really, to me, there's, there's a tremendous amount uh, that we, uh, we don't know. Uh, I was on the phone with someone who's 48 year old mother of two teenager, uh, teenage kids yesterday um, uh, at night, was, I was driving home as a friend of a, of a colleague, and um, she has nowhere to turn. She thinks she might have uh, some, like, a prions in her brain, like an infection eating her brain. Um, and, and so, like, th there, I think we also have to acknowledge that there's quite a bit we don't know. Now, more, as we learn more about from the pathology, right, so from autopsy studies, and we start to see what they coordinate to in terms of, okay, what does that look like on MRI? What does that look like in terms of a lumbar puncture? Because again, as you know, uh, until, I mean, really recently, I think this in some places and still pockets, you go to your primary care doctor, oh, she's gonna, you know, you do a eight minute screening test, dementia, get your fares in order, here's the age page, you know, maybe we'll try Severocept, goodbye, right? I mean, of course it's done with more heart usually than that, and, but it, but uh, you and I have had talks, Laura, you know, we find some of the way that uh, traditional healthcare goes appalling. Um, but I do think that when you look at um, when we, when we, when you take this diagnosis a little bit out of the hands of just a primary care provider, as it used to be, someone walks in 65, 75, when 65 was old, right? Remember when 65 was old, when we weren't close to 65. So then, um, and then, and then, uh, you know, 75, 80, but you know, once, once someone's 80, it's like, okay, well, this is dementia and it doesn't really matter what kind, right? So it doesn't really matter what kind. Um, but as people get more interested in advocating for themselves and have more information, things run in their family, they're able to get their own genetics, they're able to Google more about symptoms. So it's sort of forced the healthcare community to be able to become a little bit more aware. Now I want, I want to talk with someone who really is focused on Lewy body and Alzheimer's and can, can sort of parse out the difference. Now, so far, there isn't a huge difference, although there's some differences from my perspective, but there are some differences in how we might treat a Lewy body dementia versus a primary progressive aphasia or Alzheimer's or whatever. But I think the first step is taking the pathology, learning that what are the best tests to sort of say what kind of what kind of dementia is this. You look at 
what's happening with brain function, cognitive function, you put those things together and you have a more informed neurologic community, more informed geriatricians. And so they're, they're making more accurate diagnoses because of, you just have more information. Well, I have to make a comment on the 65 was old because I'm going to be 62 here in another month and it is not old anymore. <laughs> Let me tell you. Right, for sure. And, and it my, really isn't. It, yeah, my opinion has very much changed. Also on autopsies, you know, we, we did do an autopsy of my mom's brain um, and she lived with it for like 30 years. And um, I don't know if you know Dr. Fry here in Minnesota, but he he's just wonderful. And he sat down with me to kind of review it. And he said, Laurie, I've never seen a brain this atrophied ever. And then he said, but that's what we should expect for 30 30 years, you know, and it pointed out that there, you know, it was primarily Alzheimer's, but there was definitely some Lewy body and some Parkinson's. And, you know, he wanted the feedback from me as a family member. What did we see in it? And so that was just a really interesting, you know, conversation because neither of those had come up while she was living, you know, at all. And I I would love to be able to see the comparisons of, like you said, the different types of testing and then the the end of life and the importance of getting these brain autopsies is just in my mind, just critical. So I really urge people to sign up for that, be prepared because it has to be done quickly, guys. You know, you just, you can't make that decision at the last minute. Um, with that. So thank you for, for that information, Dr. Uh, Bergman. Um, Jenny, I want to ask you, I'm really curious because I, I want to learn more about your background and Kemper Cognitive Wellness because that began just about three and a half years ago. But yet I know your family has a, a, a longer history in terms of caring for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. So can you can you share a little bit more background with us? Yeah, sure. Um, You know, a foundational belief here at Kemper is that it is possible to live well, even with the diagnosis of dementia. And while we've only been around for um, about three and a half years, um, our story began probably 25 years ago or more. You know, my family was impacted uh, by, by, has been impacted by Alzheimer's for generations. Um, But after experiencing uh, the gap in what was available in long-term care firsthand, Betty Kemper, who is an RN by background, and Kristen Kemper, who is a licensed nursing home administrator, um, envisioned something different and really were pioneers um, in that regard. Um, Over 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, a special, there wasn't a special care environment for somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia. They were just kind of lumped in with uh, folks in a skilled in a skilled environment, and that really just wasn't conducive to their needs. So um, they, they were among the first in Kemper House uh, residential Alzheimer's and dementia care homes and uh, were formed. Um, and so we're very proud of the work we've done there. Um, kind of find ourselves innovating again here 20 some years later with Kemper Cognitive Wellness. Um, as I mentioned, this disease is really personal to our family um, and we're really motivated personally to to do everything we can to push back for the next generations. Um, so we're we're here now in Cleveland and um, we're emerging as one of the nation's leading brain health centers. And it's really exciting. We're just, we're, we're helping people with Alzheimer's and dementia, individuals and families um, with assessments, um, services and supports um, for Alzheimer's and dementia. So it is definitely an exciting time to be here. So, and that is fantastic. And it's so important anyways, from my opinion, as, as a daughter who went through this to be able to have all that support in one 
spot. This, you know, one's over here and one's over here um, and a team not really working together. It really piecemeals it and it makes it much more difficult, you know, for the families, you know, as a whole. So I, I appreciate the work and the effort that you guys are, are putting towards this. Um, I want to ask, because you had shared your family history, um, Allison, I, I would like to hear from you if you've been personally touched uh, by dementia in your own family or circle of friends. Yeah, um, thanks, Lori. Absolutely. Uh, my mother had dementia uh, in her 80s. She passed away in 08. And um, I personally have experienced um, brain health issues in my 40s after struggling with digestive issues. I was experiencing things like uh, brain fog and um, forgetting appointments and not being able to focus. So it was affecting me in my 40s. Um, and this was after my mother had passed away. And then I found Kemper Cognitive Wellness. I got into health coaching and I feel like it was just, you know, the universe came together and put me where I was supposed to be. Um, so I'm so excited to be part of this, um, you know, improving brain health, improving the landscape of dementia, um, because I too have the APOE4 gene. So uh, personally for myself, you know, I want to um, improve my health, improve my brain health, and, you know, I want to help others who are struggling. So um, I'm so excited to be here at Kemper Cognitive Wellness and part of this mission. Wonderful. And thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's a, a personal, personal story. I know I, um, I've had an issue only one time, but it scared the heck out of me where I couldn't remember what something was. And I think it might have been more stress induced, but you know, my eyes have been open ever since. And my hot water heater went out. My brother came over to fix it and he's like, you know, go get your wrench. And I'm I'm like a girl that has all my tools in my closet and stuff, and unless my husband would steal them sometimes and not put them back. And I went up there and I'm like, what's a wrench? I mean, I literally, what's a wrench? And I I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find it. And then I went downstairs with this piece of paper and and uh, pad of paper and and pen and I said, can you draw me a picture? It still just racks me to my core, thinking. And so Scott, my brother's looking at me like, well, are, are you yanking my chain? What's going on here? You, you know, you you have all kinds of tools up there. And I'm like, and I I went back up. I still couldn't find it. You know, and that was the only time it happened. But it was like oh my gosh, if this is what people feel on a daily basis, it was just, I mean, it, it just gave me a whole nother level of coping skills and the emotional side and uh, being fearful for yourself and being embarrassed, you know, with others. And I mean, it was just a really um, impactful, impactful experience for me. So I can, I can totally relate. Um, Dr. Bergman, how about you? Have you been personally touched by dementia in your family or circle of friends? Yeah. So, you know, I, I grew up um, volunteering in the assisted living facilities that uh, Jenny talked about. So it was like uh, mixed bags. You'd have, um, you had a lot of people that just had physical ailments, but were cognitively intact. And you had a lot of people that were demented, but were physically intact. So I grew up so most of my family passed away earlier of cancer. Uh, they didn't make it to their 70s and 80s uh, or, heart, or heart disease, even, you know, sometimes even before I was born in the 50s. But that was in different times where a lot of smoking, a lot of stress. Um, 
Not that there's not a lot of stress now, but um, it was different times. It was different times. Um, for me personally, though, I started having profound memory loss uh, when I was in my uh, early 30s when I was doing my training, some of my training in residency. And it was crazy. I mean, it was like I went for neuropsych testing and you know, brain imaging, saw a neurologist. And, um, and you know, I, it wasn't dementia. It wasn't neuro, you know, there was nothing that could say, hey, this is neurodegenerative. But like, it was very scary. Like I couldn't remember, I wouldn't remember what we're doing in rounds in the hospital, seeing an EKG 90 minutes ago down in an emergency room. We were admitting a patient. I was responsible to manage a team. I was responsible, for, you know, obviously, for patient care. Um, so I was, that was probably of the more frightening, if not the most frightening, period of time in my life. But what it led to was um, the discovery of much of, you know, or at least the foundations of what we're doing now at Camper Cognitive Wellness. I, I mean, it really was, um, it was through sort of like Allison's story, like getting improved and getting better. I mean, I went just so you get some hard facts. We used to have to take practice national board exams. This is like an eight hour, one of these horrible eight hour uh, multiple choice tests where you're, you know, you've studied for months and it's like eight hours determines everything. Right? So it's a high stakes exam. And you, you know, you get used to taking those if, if you go through enough school and all those had those probably to some degree, medicine comes up and up and up over again. And um, my first year, I got in the 10th percentile. That's the bottom 10th percentile. So the you know residency programs gets real worried about that because part of the way they're judged is you know if, if they're graduates people that go through their specialty training mine was internal medicine at the time can pass the you know the pass the test and certainly pass the test on the first time is really the, the measure that matters um, and the next year my second year of a three year residency I got in the eighth percentile so the lowest eight eight percent it never had a person that could pass that passed the boards in the first time um, that had been under ten percent. At any point in, in the training. Uh, anyways, I got in the 88th percentile uh, when when we actually took the national board exams, and uh, that was that was amazing. And it was really it was through some basic basic things, you know, some basic things, uh, but really really sometimes can move the needle. And so really at any age, any stage, like if you can apply some of the things that we're talking about, some of it's really not rocket science. It's basic, but just has to be done. Um, and if you do it, it's like a habit. If you can create habit out of it, because we all have stress, we're all going to have life, life's going to get in the way, we'll have disruptors, we'll have bills to pay. But if you can make more of these things routine in your life, um, so they're, you're just like you don't think about brushing your teeth, like you don't think about certain things, um, that's going to move the needle. And it, but in, and it does also doesn't matter if you didn't start to a 65 or 70. Like you can start at 75, you can still get gains. Just better if you start at 45. It's better if you start at 25. Certainly it's better to start at five years old. But Nobody does. So, you know, so, uh, so any, any, any time. So, but that's, that's my story with cognitive impairment. Very, very frightening. Very frightening. Very personal. And like you said, in terms of starting, it's kind of like financial planning. We should all do it earlier, you know, or even uh, getting our healthcare directives and stuff in order. We should do it when we're 18 years old, get those power of attorneys. Very few people do. Though I have heard a couple of people are starting to now do that as gifts for graduation, which I think what a cool idea that is, you know, to try to shift things around. Well, you had, you know, mentioned again about just becoming an, an emerging leader with your organization. Can you go a little deeper in terms of what kind of work do you do? You know, if, if I come knock knocking on your door, what's the process? Yeah. So I think if people are familiar with the work, you know, the functional medicine approach or Dale Bredesen's been a, a big inspiration uh, to, to our work with his sort of recode 
And uh, you know, like Jenny, or like you mentioned at the beginning, we've, we were on uh, one, one publication with him for, for some cases where we had some improvements. That's a lot uh, of, of kind of how we begin our assessments. So we're looking at a deep dive. We want to get the basics. Are you exercising? How do you sleep? We find loads and loads of cases of undiagnosed sleep apnea or something called REM sleep behavior disorders, which are really can be present in Parkinson's or Lewy body disease. That could be something that can a problem with sleep, really restless sleeping, acting out dreams that can happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead of development of something like Parkinson's or Lewy body disease. So we look deeply into the food that people are eating and their nutrition status. We'll definitely measure things like micronutrients, you know, blood tests. Um, we're looking uh, at exercise. We're, uh, Allison can talk much more about some of the exercise stuff that we're doing, which is one of the most exciting uh, uh, parts of, of what we're doing. Um, and we look at how people are handling stress. We can we have different ways we can we can sort of measure stress with subjective testing, uh, but are you know, peer-reviewed, highly validated things. And then uh, we have some tests that we can do to look at uh, stress hormones like cortisol. I look at hormones, inflammatory factors, uh, advanced testing, and cholesterol. Um, and then you know we 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 start with that. That's really where we start. Um, we'll look at genetics. We'll look at like APOE4. Uh, we still look at MTHFR uh, to, to get a sense about neurotransmitters, which is so MTH, MTHFR, for those who don't know, uh, is a methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase gene. That's a fairly inexpensive test that you can get. And uh, some feel that it, uh, it points to how you're handling neurotransmitters. Does it uh, impede uh, or impair one's ability to detoxify from just sort of the usual things that we all go through? Um, uh, from day to day. So that's where we start our assessments. And we also do, um, we want to see how the brain is functioning. So we have some computerized. So for some people that are a little bit sicker, we, we stick with the paper and pencil uh, or paper and pen kind of uh, screening uh, tests or I'll send someone to a neuropsychologist. Uh, but we also do more extended batteries of neuropsychologic testing to see just, you know, objectively, how is someone performing uh, cognitively in, in not just in memory, but you know, in, can, am I flexible in my thinking? How fast do I process things? Uh, can, I, can I shift attention easily? Can I pay attention, right? Because if we can hone in on where the problem is, like if somebody has problems paying attention, so it, that's going to impact their memory, that's going to impact their executive functions. And if you can deal with the attention issue through a variety of ways, then you'll, you should see improvements in a few of these other domains, like memory should improve. But it, so it's not primarily a memory problem, it's primarily an attention problem. So we try to sort of figure through some of that. And then we also wanna know how is someone's brain functioning, right? How is their brain actually functioning, like in real time? So we do uh, 19 channel EEGs and we feed it to some software and we uh, produce what's called a QEEG uh, or a brain map as they're sometimes called. And, and that will give us another piece of information, like we're measuring the brain directly, uh, which has been a, a problem in psychiatry and neurology to some degree. Like we'll get MRIs or CAT scans, but we're not uh, measuring actual functioning of the brain. Is the brain processing things normally? Is there too much of a certain kind of activity uh, in one place? Is, the is there evidence of poor blood flow that needs to be addressed more aggressively? Um, is there indications of anxiety or problems sleeping, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot. To, so then we put that all together in an assessment and we create a, we create a plan for people, right? And then, and then, and so that's, that's just like my part. The most important part then comes after that. 
and so we move in through the team, right? Because you know I could give people pieces of paper with what the problem is all day, but if there isn't a if there isn't an organized plan that's sort of broken down, most people have no shot. Like you know, there's a few people that are super organized, and you tell you know you kind of give them the plan, and they can do it, but most of us have to have this broken out over time, and it's still hard. I mean, it's still hard. We still have people that you know are challenged by it, but they'll meet with Allison, with the health coach, right? And okay, so what do I do? So okay, first we need to do this. We prioritize what are the most important things. Do we have supplements? Do we have hormones? You know, like kind of breaking up these into goals that are achievable over the course of several months, because this takes months. I mean, it needs to take. I mean, we'll have people that get results in a couple of weeks, but oftentimes it will take months. And then um, we'll meet with our dietitian or nutritionist. What's the optimal meal plan? Some people are already eating amazing, right? So going from a good diet to a great diet doesn't always do it. But if someone's sensitive to a food, even though they're eating really well, that can be a game changer. Stomach, right? And there's this whole gut-brain connection. Sometimes if you if you uh, dial in on the, on the GI issues, or there's uh, too much bacteria, or somebody doesn't have enough um, digestive enzymes, all of those things can can play a role sometimes really significantly and sometimes you know just sort of a minor role like the triangle in the back of the orchestra but it, you know what i mean but that's still part of the music so we have kind of a symphony going on over here and so it really really is we've really kind of worked hard to make it a real team approach and not just sort of in individual like a health coach center or doctor doctor centric uh, we try to make it about the individuals that that are coming through uh, and then we we add i think there's a lot of people that kind of do this kind of work like the Bread is in functional medicine that don't have uh, the depth of experience and understanding that we have at Kemper Cognitive Wellness in terms of dementia. It's one of the reasons I was excited to come work here uh, was because I always felt like, you know, you can do, you can make recommendations all day long, but if you don't have a team that really understands the issue with dementia, and we don't get me wrong, we don't know everything, we're constantly learning, but if you don't have a team that really gets it, so we have a family dementia coach, right? So she's a social worker who's been working with Kemper, uh, with the Kemper houses for 15, 16 years. Uh, and she works with families on, you know, that are having stress or that understand what's, what's, what's happening. Why are these communication issues happening? What, what's with sundowning? How do we, you know, and they help, you can help solve some of these problems. We'll get people together uh, for some group things, you know, some sort of support groups, if you will. And um, so there's some 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 group strategizing, just you know, as you know, just other people sort of listen and 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 are going through the same thing. And um, all of those things seem to be, we get really good feedback about the kind of um, kind of care we're delivering. Uh, we seem I think people sense that we're we care about people. So you can give people information. They also we care about the results. Uh, and um, I think that's we're, we're very we're very very proud of the of the work we're doing. So. Um, and then I think that's for people, I, there's still this notion of, okay, somebody's got Alzheimer's and they're super sick, but we also see people that are here because my dad had Alzheimer's and I don't want to have Alzheimer's and I'm 55 years old. Give me a plan. I'll follow it for the rest of my life kind of thing. Uh, and then we have everybody in between, like Jenny mentioned. And we, you know, then we also treat precursors. You know, there's PTSD as a risk factor for Alzheimer's, anxiety, risk, depression, risk factors for Alzheimer's, you know, higher rates, um, ADHD risk factor for Alzheimer's. So there's, there's so, so you have to, you know, we're just trying to treat everything that has to do with cognition and, and, and might lead to cognitive impairment. So um, there's, there's lots to do. Well, you covered a lot of my questions. I was going to ask about uh, HD, uh, HD um, because I was thinking how many people, especially the younger population, uh, you know, that number in itself has exploded and what's going to be the ripple effect from that. Now we're going to have the COVID 
explosion on right. top of I mean, there's just constantly different things. Um, the HG, how, you mean hormone replacement or hormone therapy? Is that what you mean? Yeah, no, okay. I'm sorry, ADHD. Oh, ADHD, ADHD. yeah, ADHD. Yep. Sorry about that. Um, and then I wanted to know, you know, uh, you listed a, a pretty uh, long list of things that you check. H how many appointments is that, <laughs> you know, roughly? Well, how long does that take? Yeah, so there are a lot of ways to do it. You know, we do it our way. Our way is we want to get as much of the story and, and sort of data collected up front because then we can get moving. So we spend, I mean, somebody's in the office for two and a half to three hours. Um, first for the first visit. So it's a, it's a big day. It's a big event. Um, you know, people are usually uh, pretty, pretty up for it. And, um, and then with, with the data, it takes a couple of weeks to sort of process all the data, get labs back, et cetera. And then we'll come back and we'll spend a couple hours, an hour and a half or so reviewing the information with someone and installing the plan. And then Follow-up can be different. You know, it's sort of follow-up becomes individualized based on based on our you know, the individual, our patient's reality. You know, what I mean, what they need, what they can do, how much progress they're making, what they think about the initial recommendations. Uh, but people can follow up, you know, in a couple months to several months. And if someone's just there for prevention, probably once or twice a year is probably adequate. But if we're but if we're moving through things. Um, I think Jenny might have some more to say about that. I would just comment that we do ask our clients to do a bit of homework before they come even come into the office. So we're wanting to collect a lot of like personal lifetime history of health information. We want to know what they're eating uh, over the course of three or four days, what their readiness is for change. Um, and we have we do comprehensive uh, data collection on the front end. Um, and that just provides for an even richer experience when you come in and spend time with Dr. Bergman. We don't spend that time collecting all your medications because you've already provided that to us. Dr. Bergman has an opportunity to review that information before you are even sitting in his office with him. And it and, and you'll delve into that and unco usually uncover even more and just have a really rich conversation that um, really sets the foundation and gets us off um, off and running, I, I guess. So, yeah, I should ask one, add one, add one more thing. I mean, there's, you know, there are, I mean, the team-based approach really was a, was a change. I, I, I've, I've practiced since the end of my, tra my training, I really haven't practiced just sort of on my own. I've really made a conscious effort to be part of a healthcare team. It's just so clear that that's what it's at least closer to what people need. I still think we have a long way to go in kind of traditional, at least American healthcare. Uh, even though I, I think our healthcare system is uh, far superior to, to many others around the world, but um, but still, you know, it doesn't mean we can't improve quite a bit. So, we, and we we're all, we are already moving away from sort of the doctor centric uh, uh, form of practice. But there are things people can do. I mean, we have some people that don't even see me. Like they'll see only uh, Allison, for health coach. They'll see only Nikki, our dietitian. Um, and then more and more. I mean, so what we found is okay. So so it. You know, it, it, not everybody can. Uh, not everybody can can get to us. Right? Not everybody can get to us for one reason or another. And uh, so we were thinking, okay, so so how else can we affect people? How else can we impact people? And um, when we, we we sort of identified a gap, and that a lot of the like once someone gets a diagnosis of dementia, there's this sort of okay, what do I do? And there are, oh, as you know, again as you feature, there there are many uh, resources around. Um, 
but our feeling was that the vast majority of those resources are just sort of focused on the way things were done seven plus years ago, just sort of, and what we, what we would consider humbly and, but, but uh, pretty confidently old news, right? There are breakthroughs in neuroscience and rehabilitation therapies. There's this whole concept of reablement. Uh, we've seen some really fascinating things with a small group of people in some of the Kemper houses really, with really sort of some startling uh, improvements uh, with some basic, with some basic things. And then, um, and then, you know, to make things even more, to sort of push out even more to make this kind of thing accessible to people, we created a core, an online course called Live Well with Dementia. And the Live Well with Dementia course is a lot of what we talk about for folks that are in sort of a mild cognitive impairment or early, uh, early dementia stage or, and even a little bit further along. But we, we talk about really all of the things we're talking about, we give people information that they can take to their doctor, talk about food, we talk about, you know, caregivers, care partners, stress, sleep, sundowning, um, all the financial and medical stuff that, com that comes up. Um, we talk about some really interesting technologies some, and, and a lot of this stuff, like if, you just, if you're the kind of person that, hey, I need to hear it, I need to have it organized, I need some resources, like it, it's doable, like it, it's doable because we're all going through our day anyways. And uh, it, it's encouraging to me meeting more and more people that are not saying, hey, I'm, I just got diagnosed with dementia, I give up. They're saying, I got diagnosed with dementia. What can I do now? That wasn't, as you know, Laura, I mean, that wasn't really, people weren't asking that question as, as in the same way 10, not even 10 years ago. I mean, it's really, in my experience, really fairly recently. Uh, I started my training in, 2000, in 2006, seven, and um, I mean, it's like changed a lot since then. Dramatically, yeah. Um, one question I do wanna ask really quickly, cause I see this as a need. Um, and I hear it from people, they want to go to a specialty clinic, but it might not be in their area. They're willing to, to fly out, do all the initial stuff for the diagnosis, but then they'd like to be supported by kind of telehealth. And then even if there are tests and stuff they need to do, get those locally, but then shared with you. Is that something that you guys do? Oh yeah, all the time, routinely. Yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's telehealth is, is a little sticky wicket in terms of, uh, you know, medical liability and being boarded. But we, um, COVID, COVID really opened things up quite a bit for us. But we were doing a lot of telehealth even before then. But um, yes, so once, as long as people come here so we can get the, the, the good information that we need face-to-face um, -face one time, um, most, I mean, I think we have many patients that all of their follow-up have been, let's say, uh, telehealth only, telehealth only. So I think all of us, including Allison, Allison can tell you a little bit more about um, some of the things she's doing. But like, I, when it comes to seeing the doctor, seeing a dietitian, seeing a health coach, and then even one of the things that we've, um, and it's not even so recently, we've been doing this for a while now, uh, the Brain Bootcamp, uh, which Allison runs. Um, it, I am, I, like, I get, the, I get the chills in a good way almost every time I think about it, because it, it's really taking the best of, um, of what we know in neuroscience to move the needle on cognitive improvement. And we've sort of put it in this fun to do good to if in a way you can interact with other people. And we, we have it certainly in person. Some people uh, prefer in person, but there's the ability to do this on zoom online now. And so it's, 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 it's phenomenal. I hope uh, Allison has a chance to talk about that a little bit. 
Well, that's the perfect segue because I was going to ask Allison to talk about the Brain Food Camp um, so that we can learn a little bit more about how it was created and, and what's it all about. So I'm really excited to talk about this. And sometimes I get like a runaway train, but I want to like unpack all the information and not leave, you know, any stone unturned. But um, it was about a year ago, Jenny came to me and said, you know, I'd really like you to get this brain health trainer certification because, you know, I have this vision for like a brain boot camp. And um, I've been involved in exercise my whole life. I have a background as a competitive figure skater, a dancer, a group fitness instructor. Um, you know, I've always known the benefits of movement, but I never really knew how good they are for brain health. So I was excited to, you know, get this certification and um, shout out to Ryan Glatt, who is the creator of the Certified Brain Health Trainer um, course. He's just super smart, super um, excited young man. I just, I, I've learned so much from him, but you know, at the time there was uh, the brain certified brain health trainers were doing one-on-one -on -one, and there wasn't this, this group model. So it was kind of something that I had to create from the ground up. And, you know, I do my best um, being challenged to come up with things creatively. Um, so I put together a group program with what I learned in the course. And it's just, it's grown and it, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from it. So let me just kind of tell you what it's about. So Brain Boot Camp, we combine a mental task with physical exercise, or sometimes we call it movement because depending on who you, who you are, exercise can be like taboo. So don't worry. And when you hear the word boot camp, I'm not like a drill sergeant. You know, I'm not cracking the whip. I mean, it's just, you know, fun little term, but we do have fun. I do make you move, um, but it's according to the person's fitness level and their level of ability. So I always take that into consideration. So we combine physical exercises with a mental task. Now, the reason we do this is research has shown that when we do this combination training, that it creates more brain cells and helps us maintain these brain cells more than if we did physical exercise by itself or mental training by itself, like Sudoku or crossword puzzles. That being said, I'm not giving you a pass for getting out of exercise. Exercise is still number one for brain health. And the reason being is we get our heart rate above a resting level. So it increases oxygen and increases blood flow to the brain. This is crucial for brain health. So oxygen and blood flow, crucial for brain health. The number one way you can get it is exercise. Now I get some of you don't exercise, but as Dr. Bergman mentioned earlier about addressing brain health, start somewhere, just start, okay? Don't wait, it's never too late. So we do this combination training, which facilitates the oxygen and the blood flow because it creates 
more brain cells. So I'm gonna give you an example of what that exercise looks like because I've just said a lot of things and people are gonna be like, well, what, it, what does that mean? Okay, so um, we would start by marching in place, okay? And then I would say, let's start doing an overhead press. This is an overhead press while we're marching. So we're getting our heart rate up. We're getting that oxygen flowing, that blood flowing. Then we bring in the mental task. So that would be, I'm gonna have you subtract by sevens, starting with 100. So while you're moving, you're doing this mental task. Now, if this mental task is too difficult, I can certainly modify it. I could say, okay, well, let's um, subtract by fives or if subtraction is too hard, maybe we try addition by twos starting with one. So let's start adding by twos. Now, if the physical movement is too difficult, we can certainly take that down to just marching or maybe you wanna stay seated and you wanna just do the overhead press. If the physical movement is too easy, I would give you a set of hand weights. And depending on your level of ability, it could be a set of one pound hand weights or it could be a set of 10 pound hand weights. Why do I wanna give you those hand weights to make it harder for you? Because I want you to get your oxygen rate up. Also, when we include strength training, strength training, and cardio exercise increase chemicals in our body, which send a signal to our brain, telling our brain to grow and to function better. So let me say that again, exercise, cardiovascular and strength training, when you do it, send signals to your brain to grow and function better. Okay, so I can't think of a better reason to do exercise. And I wanna give you some feedback from some of our participants. I have one woman that said, since she started Brain Boot Camp, she has an improved focus and her brain fog has lifted. Another woman I work with, a client one-on-one, -on -one, um, I would say she was very, uh, fragile and frail when she came to me, she has improved leg strength. She has improved lower body strength. She also has a better reaction time to things and she can manage her daily calendar, her daily activities on her own. She can keep track of them, something that she could not do before. And I'm just gonna kind of backpedal to the, the leg strength. You're gonna say, well, why is leg strength important? Because leg strength correlates to better brain health and bigger brains. I always like to use a, a, a analogy of a visual. So I want you to think of a table. If a table has a strong base, it most likely won't topple over. But it have, if it has a weak base, it could topple. So if you have weak leg strength, you could be prone to falling, which means you could end up in the emergency room and who knows what else from there. So that's why leg strength is so important. So we use weights in Brain Boot Camp. We do cardio exercise and we also do balancing exercise as well. And we can do that in the form of Tai Chi moves. I find um, 
our, our seniors are very open and receptive to the Tai Chi movements and where I incorporate breath work. And the reason I do this is it increases strength, it increases flexibility, it improves mood and it improves cognition. So this is kind of like all the, the ingredients that I put in the soup of brain boot camp. I know I unpacked a lot. No, that, that is wonderful. It was uh, funny because when you were talking about leg strength, I put a note on in fall prevention. And then it's like, nope, she hit that, you know, because that, that is such a big scare, especially as people people get older. I'm wondering how often and um, how long are sessions? Sure. So right now uh, we run boot camp in person and virtually uh, by the month. So four sessions in a month. But ideally, if you want to see improvement from this mental and physical training, you want to do it twice a week for at least a period of three months. So, and that's what I noticed, the people who are commenting, giving me this good feedback, which I'm so excited to hear. This is like, I absolutely love doing this because I love the feedback I'm getting, but it's been after a period of about two to three months that they're starting to see the needle move. I want to. I want to highlight something here that Allison's talking about because I'm not sure it's it's so obvious. I think a lot of us think about oh, yeah, leg strength improved, therefore less falls, less of some of the things that will take someone as they get more frail. But it, so there's it's and it's it's subtle. Although Allison really spelled it out. But if you're still sort of in the same mindset as you know, eating fat is unhealthy, and eat, doing exercise helps my body. And you, we've, you're still in sort of this idea that we we uncouple the brain and the mood with the body, and we don't see them as one. So they're absolutely one. So muscles, to some extent, are the brain, right? Allison talked about some of the chemicals um, that sort of like prime the brain, and just like somebody wouldn't expect to go to, you know, I've, I've met so many people. I went to like two or three physical therapy appointments. They didn't do the exercise. Well, it didn't help. Physical therapy didn't help. The three appointments after soldier, shoulder surgery, or they have like a partially torn, torn shoulder. Like, so people have partial brain damage, ADHD, brain fog. Certainly, if you get into something like mild cognitive impairment and dementia, like it takes a while to see improvements. So sometimes people get frustrated. They don't do that. You know, they don't see results in two or three weeks. We're, we're, we're turning an aircraft carrier, right? We're melting a glacier. You know, it takes a while. So, um, so maybe melting glacier is probably a bad example because no one wants to melt glaciers, but um, but you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, it can take a while and it's what you're doing with your body when she adds in the cognitive exercise, just it's, a, it's like an accelerant, you know, it's like a lighter fluid, uh, putting light fluid on a, on a fire. It's amazing. Maybe another bad example, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, no, that, that is wonderful. How long are the sessions, Allison? They're 45 minutes and we start with a warm up and we do about a half hour of a combination of this dual tasking, mental and physical training. And we incorporate weights, we incorporate the balance training and no one class is the same. There's always variety. But that being said, we revisit some things we've done previously to see if there's any improvement. And there's so much I wanna mention here. Um, one is the group environment. They, they love the group environment. Socializing is so good for our mental health, our brain health, 
you know, you're exercising, you're moving with like-minded people. Uh, they all want to improve their brain health and they bond together and they cheer each other on. So it, it's a fun environment. You know, when you hear that boot camp, it's not, I'm not the taskmaster. You know, we're all about fun while we're accomplishing our goals. The other thing is when I mention strength training, especially to women, they go, Ooh, I don't want to lift weights. <laughs> Ladies, you are not going to build those bulky muscles. You know, you are going to tone and you're going to get stronger. And that, that's what we want to see is that strength being built. So, and, and we address all those four cognitive tasks in Brain Bootcamp. That's the memory, the attention, the processing speed, and the executive function. And really all the tasks we do kind of touch on all those four areas, but one task may lean more heavily towards one area. Okay, so get rid of the SAG and, and tone basically with that. Um, now, can people participate in this that, that haven't gone through, you know, your process as a whole? Is that something that they can sign up for? And is, if so, is there a fee for that? And how does that work? Absolutely. They do not, they can just sign up for Brain Bootcamp, you know, and like I said, they can do it virtually or in person. And um, Jenny, maybe you can speak to the cost. They, I think they come to $8 a session. Is that yes. right? 30, 32 for the month. So mm -hmm. $8 a session. And, and in person's a bit more, but um, yeah, a few dollars more maybe. Yeah, you can, um, if you're interested in learning more, you can go to our website, um, kemperwellness.com slash bootcamp, and you can sign up there. Um, we're actually coming forth with a, a monthly online subscription where um, we'll have classes, uh, you know, live and then on demand. So we're, we're excited with something else to watch for. Oh, that's fantastic and extremely reasonable. Um, it has insurance stepped in to cover this. I know a lot of times they'll cover like gym costs and things like that, but it's like, hey, they need to get on, on target with this. Hello. You no, know, Lori, it's it's so new. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure how individual insurance plans work, if people can submit for uh, reimbursement uh, for something like this. Um, we should look into like how, you know, so like silver sneakers, it's um, just another wonderful yeah. opportunity for folks to, you know, work their brains and bodies. And yeah, maybe, maybe even hook up with AARP. They seem to have a lot of leverage with this stuff. Might be a, might be a good resource on that. Yeah. Um, while we're talking, uh, talking money, is this, is your clinic private pay or is any of it covered by insurance? That's probably a question that people have, and I'm not even sure who to point that one to. Yeah, I can I can take that. Um, it is private pay. Um, unfortunately, um, insurance companies generally aren't paying for this type of preventative care, um, and they certainly aren't paying for the significant amount of time that we like to spend with people to really get to the root and then you know develop the program that's that's gonna, I think as Dr. Bergman said, turn the aircraft or turn that you know, turn the Titanic, so to speak. So um, it is all private pay. We do um, health, uh, health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts um, generally cover services that we offer. Um, we just direct folks to check with their individual plans. But um, for folks that are, you know, in their 50s and or 60s and are thinking about um, prevention, 
that's a great, that's a great way to go. And of course it's deductible on your insurance. So for whatever yeah. that's worth. Well, that's the, that is good to know. And, um, you know, and I think so many more people, they want more than 15 minutes of their doctor's time. You know, they, they, they really are, are leaning towards, even if it's not a, a cure, it's, it's a care in terms of support. And, you know, this churning through the clinic, it's like, I, I was had a doctor's appointment the, the other week and the doctor's like, you were two minutes late. And I'm like, well, I really wasn't. They just got me into the room two minutes late. But I mean, she just kept reminding me that my 15 minutes was up. And she was wonderful, but she was extremely conscious. She had a line out there, you know, booked with rooms. And I thought, well, this isn't a real warm and fuzzy type of meeting. And we were covering some important things to me, you right. know, and, um, and it was like, well, no, you, you're going to need to make another appointment so we can yeah. dive into that. And I'm like, I don't think we can cover that in 15 minutes either. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And, you know, folks that are willing to to make the investment do find that it's well worth it. Um, you know, and in some cases, if you don't, I hate, I, you know, rather tongue in cheek, but if you're not, if you're not willing to pay for it now, you're certainly going to pay for it later. And um, there's so much to do now, whereas the longer you wait the options become less so um, well and i think you know we're in this mindset of you know as a society of of stepping up stepping in and taking more control of of what we want our futures to be like and so you know that seems to align really well you know with that kind of um, raise of consciousness i guess i'll call it you know as a whole and I think when whenever you step in and step up to something you believe in, I think your your mental health goes up too, just automatically because you you feel attached to some kind of purpose and belief and structure, and you've got this support that apparently you were feeling something was missing, and so that hole's been filled. and And I don't think that that is given enough credit in terms of you know the these team approach where you really are looking at them as individuals and how do we how do we move you through this to improve you know improve your your situation dr bourbon i want you to talk if you don't mind is there maybe a couple of um success stories that you can share with us of, of people you know coming to your wellness center and how families have been touched yeah sure of course yeah, I mean, that's really the whole point, right? I mean, what are we, we can talk about all this stuff, but if we're not getting results review, it doesn't really matter, uh, just an idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, we mentioned the two cases we published uh, in the 100 case uh, reversal of, of cognitive decline, and those people had really well-documented uh, um, cases of amnestic mild cognitive impairment. So they, they you know, had all the changes in the brain of, of Alzheimer's, and those, those two improved. Um, I can tell you, like, just across the spectrum, you could talk, we could talk about People that are concerned or have like you know subjective subjective cognitive impairment, but have risks. So in the new lens, that's Alzheimer's. That's the beginning of that's like a stage one breast cancer, right? Like just take it out, right? Like you know if you can identify it early, take it out, right? So you know this is a this is a woman who was 77 years old whose mother uh, was actually living and still lives in one of the camp houses, and she's concerned, right? And so she only saw me. Twice, maybe she had a third visit, but mostly it was just she did the first visit, there were recommendations in the second visit, and we heard from her a few months later, so much better cognitively. Like, and so that that should be typical, right? If you get some some people early, um, 
it, that should be the kind of typical common improvement. Like people have high blood sugar and high A1, you know, average blood sugar that's close to diabetes. If they change a couple of things about the way they do their eating, exercise, like those typically come down unless it's you know, genetic or there's something else at play that's harder to tease out. Like people should respond with some, with some basics. Um, uh, I'll think of another woman, uh, she's 59 years old. When we first saw her, another person whose mother passed away in a nursing home of Alzheimer's in her late 70s. This woman was having some of the moments that Allison described before, sort of like these, or that you described, Lori, like these very scary moments. She was running in the same direct, you know, she would run the same course for two or three years um, and then got lost a couple of times, was being, becoming very inefficient at work. She wasn't able to remember anything, writing lists, like really, really scary stuff in her sort of early mid 50s into her late 50s. And, you know, she, she had done the, the basics, the exercise and the, you know, like, and eating right. And she was doing all that and still was struggling. And for her, what moved the needle, there were two things that really moved the needle for her. One was hormone replacement therapy, estrogen, progesterone, et cetera. Um, so those helped her really quite a bit. And for a lot of people, women in particular, um, hormone replacement can, but not always, but can certainly turn the light bulb on. I mean, it really can make a difference for some people, uh, the right, sort of the right, the right candidate. Uh, and then, you know, she also discovered meditation in a serious way, like, you know, just a regular practice. And because of all the stress, like, so was able to sort of like, just kind of settle her down. And some people can't meditate. And there's some other things that, um, that we will recommend people that they really have a hard time meditating. Um, but that was, you know, it's another, so you subjective cognitive impairment. This woman had, the woman I just mentioned, had already very abnormal brain scores. And within, I think it was like nine months, we repeated her test. Everything was, we went from, you know, several areas, especially correlating with um, Alzheimer's uh, and dementia um, that were very, very out of range on the testing that we do um, here went either to average or above average. So it was, a, it was, a, it was another, another sort of exciting um, uh, um, moment. Now we, 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 we uh, recently had a woman that's been seeing us for a few times now um, and she's in her early 70s and uh, she just moved back home on her own with Alzheimer's. Her family took her and said to do, the, do a boot camp of all the things we're talking. We'll see how it goes. But like, I mean, this is the kind of thing I, I just couldn't even, couldn't even conceive that that was possible. The family, you know, like, like in my training, uh, even five years ago, he's asked me like something was that like that was possible. But I, but we collectively um, we learn from the people that come see us, right? So we are learning ourselves. We're continuing to sort of educate ourselves, but we're also learning about what's possible from our patients, you know, from the people that come and see us that are living uh, through this or with this. And um, and so I don't know. We talk about all of our patients, or most of them, you know, pretty much every week. And um, in our conferences and uh, it's, it's, you know, when, when we have wins and successes, it's, it's, it's really exciting. It's really, really exciting. So one of the things that sounds like with this program is it, not only is it just for the person with dementia, but you're educating the families as well, because in order to give that kind of support, and I think that's one of the big shifts just in the past five years, you know, um, or so I remember, um, what was it in 2013, launching the first dementia-friendly community in the U.S.? We we had had that. Now we're seeing them pop up all over the place, which is really exciting. Getting that education in place, and more and more people are sharing ideas of, you know, how do you live graciously with this disease? What can we control? And 
and you know the, the the trials and stuff are expanding way past just the the plaques and tangles theory sleep came out i remember dr tansy going you know i used to pride myself on being a multitasker and not getting a whole heck of a lot of sleep but i'm changing that now you know and and that was i mean that was just really a few years ago and so people i think are starting to realize that they have more control over much more than what they ever thought and you know if nothing else it's it's worth a try you know to try to change those things and see um, people have heard you know over the years um, maybe even dehydration you know can can be an issue or um, you know vitamin um, B or uh, several of them you know getting those levels off for hormones I mean there's a lot of things that can be corrected to kind of align those things back in place that for so many years everyone was just like throwing the towel here it is nothing to do and so it's really nice to see these changes come into place um jenny i want to ask you how do folks learn more about you know the kemper cognitive wellness well of course you can visit us online at kemperwellness.com You can also give us a call at 855-337-1400. Of course, we're on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, And we mentioned our course for caregivers earlier, Live Well with Dementia. You can learn more about that at livewellwithdementia.com. Also on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. So we welcome a call or... Or an email also at hello at KemperWellness.com is another way to reach out. Yep. I was just going to mention your email because even that is friendly. It's not info at, it's, you know, it's, it's hello, you know, kind of a, kind of a welcome thing. And uh, to me, that's a, a big differentiating factor in in and of itself, along with all the other things that you do and, and provide Um, I can't thank you guys enough for being on the show. This has been really, really informative. And I hope people run and sign up for your boot camp, Allison, because, I mean, my gosh, 32 bucks a month. I mean, you can't beat that. You really, you really can't. Mm -hmm. And again, you can participate in this if you, you know, have dementia or not, you know, you know, with, with these trainings as well as the program. You know, you can look at prevention. Err on the side of reaching out, I guess, is what I'm trying to say to our audience. Welcome a conversation. Yeah. And if I can mention, Lori, real quick, if they want to see what a class looks like, they can go to our Facebook page, Kemper, well, a Kemper Cognitive Wellness. And under videos, there's several videos about Brain Boot Camp and what it looks like. And I'll give some explanations and show some exercises. So if they want to actually see what it looks like, that's a great place to go. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us today. To our listeners, I hope that you like, click, and share um, this episode. I think it was just, uh, like I said, filled with a, with a ton of nuggets here <laughs> and uh, in a great direct path in terms of getting on track and getting maybe some of your questions answered and and allowing you to make better choices and see what how much control you really can have on is this going to get you and to what level uh, and there's no there's no guarantees um you know dimension knows no boundaries by any by any stretch but um i'm a, i know i'm a firm believer that we can um 
kind of hold it off, you know, and change the direction in terms of how much control it has has over our, our bodies, our minds, and our, our souls, because they're all connected once you get that diagnosis, boy, and um, can really take you for a spin. So know that there are people out there that want to support you and help you. And so please check out Kemper Cognitive Wellness. Again, you can go to their site, uh, KemperWellness.com, or like Allison just said, uh, check out their Facebook page to check out a video for that brain boot camp as well. Um, in closing, I just, uh, again, want to thank everybody. And uh, you can always check out uh, information on what Alzheimer's Speaks is doing at alzheimerspeaks.com. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors. From fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me, listen now, search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.